Aren't you glad for his love this morning? Amen? Amen, church. It's good to be together. It's good to be in worship. And um, Jesus is here. Can I get a witness to that? When you walked in, Jesus walked in. Amen? And um, this morning, I want to take you to a narrative that we find in the book of John, a narrative written by probably, I don't know, do you think Jesus had a best friend? How many think Jesus had a best friend? I mean, like, really? Yeah. I like to think I'm his best friend, but I guess that's not going to work. I think, I think well, if the, he did have a best friend, I think it might have been John. I'm just saying, Okay. Uh, have you seen the Polaroids that they took when they were at the table? <laughs> You're a rough crowd this morning. And we find this narrative, we, we come to this part of the story, if you will, of, of Jesus' journey here, and we, we come to this well-known encounter that, um, well, you might know it as the woman at the well, or you might know it as the Samaritan woman. But I want to just say this morning that these are appropriate titles to, in fact, that's what it probably says in your Bible, the woman at the well, and those are appropriate titles, but I want us to remember that the woman at the well is not the main character. The main character is Jesus. He, he's the one that makes the difference. What, what Jesus reveals about himself to this woman of Samaria changes not only her life, but changes the life of all of those around her, as we'll see. But just before we get into that fourth chapter, I, I want us to look at a little bit of a, a backstory, if you will, that helps us to see where we are this morning. And so I want to invite you to, just in your Bible, uh, and it's not going to be on the screen, so you might have to use your, your phone if you need to. But in chapter 3, we get this little backdrop of a story. Jesus, uh, in chapter 3, at the very beginning, we read about a, na- a man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was one of the uh, religious elite of the day. I mean, they had all the power. They had all the authority. But Nicodemus was curious. In fact, he was so curious that he asked to meet with Jesus at night. And we know why. He probably met him at night. He was concerned over how he might be seen. But Jesus, in that third chapter, was willing, and he was accommodating for Nicodemus there as they met. And he explained to him what it meant to be born again. Of course, that blew Nicodemus' mind. He says, what are you talking about, be born again? And Jesus was talking about being born of the Spirit of God. Well, then about uh, halfway through that chapter, we come to a verse of Scripture that we're all very, very familiar with. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, and it's found in John 3, 16. There you go. So we're going to say that together. You ready? It's not going to be on the screen, so you've got to go from memory. And, and we'll have all kinds of versions going on, but it's okay. All right, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. 
Let, let those words sink in just a, a little bit this morning. Let it touch your heart brand new this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave. Folks, we have a giving God. We just sang about it this morning. We have a giving God. Now, if you're, if you're a Jew living during this time and, and you read that verse in John 3.16, it might cause you a little bit of concern. It doesn't really set well with you. You're really not buying into this idea that God loves the whole world. In, in fact, you, you understand that God loves the Jews. The Jews were God's chosen people. And so we know that God loved the Jews, but you're not quite so sure about this God loving the whole world. Well, then we come to chapter 4, where we are this morning. We come to chapter 4 because chapter 4 is proof that John 3.16 is true. Because Jesus meets with this social outcast, if you will, and he transforms her life, meeting her at her point of need. And this morning, I think that's what I want you to understand is Jesus is here to meet us at our point of need. And there's this great thing in chapter 3 where Jesus shares with the religious elite that they need to come to Christ. They need to be born again. And then we get to chapter 4, and the message is the same thing to this Samaritan woman. Truly, God does love the world. That's a true statement this morning. We see it right here in the life of this Samaritan woman. So with that as our kind of our backdrop to John chapter 4, I want us to read just a few verses. And so will you stand with me? Go to chapter 4. We're going to read verses 3 through 7 this morning. John chapter 4, verses 3 to 7. Here we go. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. That's a key. Keep it in mind. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sahar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the journey. He sat down at the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. These are your words for your people for this day. And Lord, um, what we want more than anything is for you just to speak to us, to challenge us with your word. And Jesus, this morning, we want you to know that we're listening. In thy precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A couple of things I want you to keep in mind that really uh, are little details that are so very important. But in verse 4, it says that now he had to go through Samaria. And then in verse 6, tired, Jesus sat down. We see here how human Jesus was. This is one of those things in our reading that, that's so great. Jesus was tired. I love reading that verse of Scripture. Have you ever been tired? Anybody tired this morning? Raise your right hand if you're tired. Okay, you may go to sleep. This journey that Jesus was on was about 70 miles, and Jesus was about 40 miles through it when he came to this well. And he was walking. Jesus was tired. And it says it was a sixth hour, about 100 degrees. Maybe 105 is the normal temperature there at that time of day. 
So why, are, why is that so important to us? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, he describes Jesus as in, in an incredible way. He says, Jesus is sympathetic. He's our sympathetic high priest. Being sympathetic means that you feel what others feel. That means Jesus isn't some foreign, distant deity, but rather he took on flesh and he lived right here among us. He got tired, he got thirsty, he got hungry. Jesus knows what it's like to live where you and I are this morning and where this Samaritan woman was when he met with her there at the well. In other words, Jesus, he understands us. He, he gets what's going on in our lives. He understands, he knows us because why? Because Jesus has been there. And so wherever you are right now this morning, whatever you're thinking, I want you to know something. Jesus understands right where you are. Because we have a high priest who was tempted and faced life just like we do. He's sympathetic. He feels what we feel. So we have this encounter that's about to happen. And it's going to happen because, like the text says, I, I pointed out, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Well, let me, let me explain why it says that he had to pass through Samaria. There was only one way, if you will, where Jesus was and where he needed to go. And he had to go through Samaria. Now, most Jews would not do that. In fact, they would go to one side or the other, and they would go around Samaria just so they didn't put their foot in Samaritan soil. Jesus never avoids someone who needs him. Jesus never avoids someone. So there was someone in Samaria at the well who needed Jesus, and it says he had to go there. So again, first century Jew, here we are. We put this in a little bit of context. 3,000 years ago, Israel divided into two kingdoms, North Kingdom, South Kingdom. And then about 200 years after that, the Assyrians came, they attacked the Northern Kingdom. They took them captive. They absorbed them into their Assyrian culture. They introduced them to foreign gods and the foreign culture. And so the Israelites and the Assyrians were living together, and before long, they began to intermarry and have children. So those children are known as Samaritans. Now, if you were a southern kingdom, full-blooded Jew, and introduced to a Samaritan who is half Assyrian, you kind of looked at that person, and you said to yourself, you're a half-breed. Because they were this mixed cultures, the Jews treated the Samaritans with extreme prejudice. In fact, Samaritan Jews, they just did not get along. Well, okay, if you were there in Judea and you wanted to go to Jerusalem, am I going right, am I going left? What am I going to do? They went around, but it's interesting. Jesus went right through it. Then watch what Jesus does in verse 7. Look at, look at verse 7 with me once again. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Hmm. I really can't begin to describe. We read that scripture and we go, okay, that's cool. 
But I can't begin to describe the honor and the dignity that Jesus brings to this Samaritan woman when he asks her, will you give me a drink? They would just so despise each other, they would not even drink out of the same cup. And what does Jesus do? He asks this Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink? Unfortunately, during this, this time period, the privileges of a woman were severely restricted. Men didn't speak to women unless in public unless they were related to each other. The value of a woman was basically having children and keeping the house together. In fact, women were not even encouraged to go out in public. Jesus is not only a Jew, but he's also a rabbi. And a rabbi especially did not speak to women. But look what happens. Look at six, verses 16 and 17 with me. I love how Jesus, he just enters into this conversation with this woman. He had asked her for a drink. They had had some discussion. And then Jesus says this, go call your husband and come back. Her response, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. So how might we understand why she's maybe collecting her water at this time of, of the day, the hottest part of the day, away from the other women, because let's just say she's not a model citizen. You see, if she's there during this time of day when the other women would be there, she would be highly susceptible to the looks and, and the gossip and, and the condescending attitudes that would come from the other women of the community. So she comes at the hottest part of the day because of who she is and how she's lived her life. So you put this whole thing together. She's a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. She's a woman. Jesus is a rabbi. She's lived somewhat a promiscuous life, and Jesus is the embodiment of holiness and purity. And what does Jesus do? He puts everything aside and goes through Samaria to meet with this woman to meet her at her point of need. You and I, we're, we're that Samaritan woman. We, we search for those things that would give us meaning in life, looking for the, that thing that would quench the thirst that we feel in our soul. Our lives are always looking for the next thing. When someone upsets us or they no longer fulfill our happiness, we walk away looking for our next relationship. Our, our souls are rarely settled. Our lives are planned out and priced out and seeking perfection, I guess. And sadly, like the woman in our story, we don't even notice that the aching question behind our searching is for the next best thing. We desire that fulfillment, that rest, that joy that cannot be found in any other person, place, or project. We don't see that the satisfaction we so desire can only be found in Jesus. Jesus is about to offer her what she really needs. 
She needs a new source. I love the, the interaction with them when he asked her for a drink and, you know, she's like, well, you don't even have anything to get a drink with and the well's really deep. You don't think Jesus knew all that? Jesus is about to offer her what she really needs. You see, she needs that new source of water. Because you see, if the source of the water of our soul is contaminated, then what happens, everything downstream, it's contaminated. That's our heart. What resides in our heart, everything else flows from that in our life. And if the source of our life is contaminated... What happens to everything else? But if the source of our life is pure, then the opposite is true. Jesus is saying to her, and he, he's saying to, to you and I, we need a new source. He said to her, I, I know you're here to draw water, but I want to give you something that you really need, something that will really satisfy your soul. Look back at verse 13 again, really quick. What does it say? Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Jesus said, you can keep drinking from this well all you want. Jesus is telling you and I, you can keep drinking from whatever well you want, but you're going to continue to be thirsty again and again and again. Don't miss what Jesus is saying there. We recognize we have a need for for we 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 have a need for this drink, if you will, this this thirst to be to be quenched. We have this craving to satisfy us deep down inside, to give us that that peace and joy and contentment I talked about a moment ago. But nothing in this world, listen this morning, folks, nothing in this world will satisfy like Jesus. What Jesus is showing us here is, and what he's revealing to us, is that we're created to have our thirst quenched by something. The challenge is we turn to things that, 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 that just over time, again and again, have, have come up short. And so Jesus says that you were created with a desire, and that desire can only be met by me. And that was his message in this encounter with her. Jesus says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did you catch that? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Whatever the issue in your life this morning, Jesus said, I am. And that's what Jesus is offering this woman. It's the real thing. Relationships, careers, money. It's like drinking sand. But look at verse 14, the promise. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Wow. Back in the day, there were different ways to get water. There was a cistern. The cistern, the, the rainwater would run into it. But eventually it would either run dry or the, the water would get rancid. 
There was also the well, like where this woman was with Jesus that day. But the well can also dry up. Have you ever, if you've ever had to have a well in your home, you know a well can, can dry up as well. Instead, what Jesus says, it will be like a spring that gives continual flow in our lives. Oh, the satisfaction of those things that we search for in our life is found in Christ. And he said, you come to me, you drink this water, and you will never thirst again. Amazing. One of the, one of the most beautiful moments we find in our scripture today is further down in the chapter, in verse 25. They talked a little bit about the idea of worship, and then it got down. The woman said, verse 25, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. Here he is right there. Here he is right here this morning. I know, what, know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And look at what Jesus was doing. He was explaining to her her need and how he would meet it. Then... Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. The one that is at the well with you right now, I am he. I am the one that can meet every need of your life. Spiritually, I can meet every need of your life. Relationally, Jesus says, I can meet every need of your life. And yes, even physically. You see, that's who Jesus is. He is the one that meets us where we are. He meets us at our point of need. He met her need that day. Can I tell you this morning, the offer is still the same today. Same as it was for that Samaritan woman. I can't help but think about this Samaritan woman and the fact that she came to the well that day, just like she had done so many times before, and she wasn't aware that she was about to have an encounter with Jesus, the Messiah, who would tell her about her life. How do you like that? Jesus meets with her and he says, go get your husband. She says, I have no husband. He goes, you're right. Jesus knows everything. That was one of my mom's favorite statements when I would go out as a teenager. Remember, son, Jesus sees you. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. Jesus sees you and me right where we are. He knows. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knew it there. And he went to her. And it just blows my mind that here's Jesus, after he lays out what her life was like, I don't know, maybe I would have run. But she felt drawn. Why? Because you see, Jesus is the one. Something in her heart that day clicked. 
And she realized all this stuff that I've searched for my whole life can all be put aside because of what Jesus has to offer. I um, was reading this story, this narrative. I wanted to read the whole chapter to you, but it would take us way too long. But what happened? Here, here this woman, she heard Jesus tell her about her life. She heard about the living water. And, and she, what does she do? She says there in verse, oh, let's go down to verse 28. It says right there, she says, leaving her water. Well, she didn't just leave it. She, she dropped her water jars, and the woman went back to her town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Oops. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. And look at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They saw the change. They heard what she had to say because of this encounter with Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are this morning. When I come and share the word of God with you, I... I'm not here to share a speech where I hope you can just kind of get pumped up and, and send you out. What I really want you to do is I want you to encounter Jesus right now. So here's what I want you to do. I want each one of us, I want us to go to the well. I want us to go to the well this morning and realize that Jesus is there. And realize that Jesus understands everything that's happening. Jesus knows what's happening. And he says to us, I have the living water. I can speak to the needs of where you are spiritually, relationally, and yes, even physically. And I don't, I don't know what your encounter is looking like right now. Would you just bow your heads with me? Your encounter this morning may need to be a spiritual encounter with Jesus. You search for the answers in life and yet you find yourself still thirsty this morning. I want you to know Jesus is here. I want to invite you in just a few moments. I want to invite you to this place of prayer. And know this morning that, that your encounter with Jesus can change everything about your life this morning. And the search that you've been on, the search that you've been seeking, 
can be finished today. Maybe, kind of like the Samaritan woman, maybe it's a relationship. With your heads bowed, I have to I have to be honest with you this morning. As I was praying in the sanctuary earlier this week and looking at the chairs that we would sit in, the Lord just touched my heart and there's some relationship issues and Jesus wants to heal those. Jesus wants you to have an encounter and, and find healing. Maybe this morning, maybe it's physical. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus cares just as much about your physical as he does all those other areas of life? But here's the key, folks. Jesus is the source of living water. There's a, um, a chorus or a song that says, all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come 